All right, we are uh, counting down. Three, two, one, and we're live on both the audio and the camera. Mint. Hey, you. This car could be yours. I want to go to space. Where did I put my phone? Uh, I don't know. Maybe on your computer. <laughs> it's sitting oh, right there on my computer. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, this episode of the podcast is, we're going to do in-house uh, intro to this podcast. An in-house introduction? Yeah, instead of doing it prefix or after, I guess, suffix, is that what it is? Anyways, I guess this would be a prefix. Prefix uh, intro to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. If you guys are new here, um, this is an action sports podcast. But at the moment, most of our guests are revolving around skiing and snowboarding. So enjoy that if you guys are in skiing and snowboarding. Today's guest is Jeff Lovelace. He's uh, He was actually probably... My first real ski coach, a uh, super badass dude. Um, he put out some amazing uh, amazing edits back in his time. He went to level one super unknown, I think three times, two to three times. Uh, competed there, put out an urban ski movie, which was uh, After All, which was super sick. And he's currently running a ski team called Agenda, which is the local Ontario um, park and pipe team, which is pretty much the highest level of skiing in Ontario. So Jeff is a super sick dude, and I'm really stoked to have him on this. Uh, really, really, really stoked to have him on this podcast. We got co-host Patty here. He's picking the lint off the pillows. Mm-hmm. We're hanging out. We got the new ASC hats. Uh, we got the sample hat actually. I not. We don't have all of them yet, but the sample hat is on. is comfy. is high, high quality for a cheap price. Well, we'll see how we price it down the line. Maybe we'll make millions. I don't know, man. I'm Anyways, about that this me. this podcast is brought to you by. Um, our supporters, Red Bull. Pat is curing his burn, so they're not only for drinks. Uh, you can also cool, Red Bull will keep your burn cool. Yes, you can use it as a nice pack as well if you have a nice Red Bull fridge like ours. Uh, and um, use my sponsors, my ski sponsors, K2, Vertica Outerwear, Wear Leathers. If you guys want to get anything from Wear Leathers, I have uh, affiliate code, so use the word Bruce all caps, and you get some extra stuff in your bag, and I get a little bit of commission. So. With that being said, we're going to spark up a conversation with Jeff Lovelace. And let me know how you guys like the prefix into the actual thing at the same time. Because I kind of dig it. It makes it a little more realistic and on beat. Compared to what? Compared to me doing it after in my in my camera room hanging out by myself. All right, we're connected. Yo, what's, what's up? up? How's it going, Jeff? How's I like my speaker? Oh, it's perfect, man. You're good. There's no echoes or nothing? No, it's just your voice through the uh, through the FaceTime, so it's... Oh, okay, it's cool. Yeah. I was worried that you're going to hear, like, two of me, and I was going to hear, like, two of you guys talking, and it was just going to be confusing, and I was like, no, I don't want to have to solve this live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why I, uh, I've been trying to get guests to wear headphones, because it stops that. Because I just record the... I just crank my phone, the volume on my phone, and the audio from FaceTime yeah. goes straight to the mic. It works good enough for what good enough for what we can do. I like the hat. That's my go-to hat. I used to have one of those too. Uh, I was literally about to say I like your hat. <laughs> you like this? This is the new ASC hat we made. This is the first one. I was going to comment, you somehow, your sneaky snake reference that you always talk about, was kind of that in it's the kind... I don't know if you did that on purpose. <laughs> no, not at all. We, we were like trying to think of a logo for it and we literally just asked, I had this one guy that does some like design work and stuff for like my YouTube page and stuff. Some guy from Sweden, he's like a little skier, he's super sick. And he just like whip, whipped this up for us, and I was like, oh, that's kind of dope. Yeah. He's really good with computers, so I just send him every, everything his way. Dude, just to learn how to do like Photoshop and all that stuff just takes so much. Like, I did it in school, like when I took marketing. Yeah. And then I left school and just completely forgot how to use every tool. And like when I started doing the agenda logos, it's like, man, I just need to find someone 
who can like do what I want. I can just draw it on paper and then someone can design <laughs> this in like five minutes. And so I would just send them to Scott or Jarvis. Yeah. Like, like this. And I'm like, dude, like that was like 10 minutes. Like, and then eventually I had to learn how to do it myself. It was so nice just having someone do it for you. Yeah. It's like, that's so true. Like, honestly, I've tried to do the same thing and spend like hours and hours and it's like half assed or like looks like pretty bad or like all right. And then like send it to somebody 30 minutes later, have it back the exact way I want it. It's a. Uh, yeah. It's a. Uh, or, or, or if you get it back and you're like, oh, it's close, but like the top corner's a little crooked. Like, would you mind? Like, yeah, no problem. And it's just like done. And you're like, oh, <laughs> it's like two seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. He did all the thumbnails for my, like, my podcast, uh, all natural on YouTube and stuff with like, so it looks like clean. I wanted to have a clean look on the, on the YouTube channel. Anyways, man, it's stoked. I'm stoked to have you on here. I know this is your first podcast, but welcome first to my. First ever one. First yeah. ever one, yes, but you're a veteran of listening to podcasts. You're, you got yeah. you got me into it. Like I was kind of listening to podcasts, but barely back. I don't know what was it like when we took her one trip to. What was that trip with me? Uh, Vermont. Yes, Vermont. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that was like when I first started getting into podcasts, and then me and Rylan had the idea to start our Degenerate Discussions podcast, mm-hmm. which never came that to fruition. Well. No, it's well, that's what I was gonna say. Like, first of all, I'm proud that you just kind of followed through with it because, like, you always talked about it for like a long yeah. time, and I was like. Even when you first started, you guys would just kind of talk about nonsense, and you'd be like, ah, uh, that didn't make any sense. And I was thinking to myself, like, man, you and Rylan have so much to actually talk about that's, yes, like, actually, like, good information. Like, you don't need to, like, try to sound all crazy. Just, like, <laughs> be yourselves, and now you've done it. So, congratulations. It was awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've done it. We've left Rylan in the dust. I have a co-host, Pat. He's been, you know, Pat. I'm sure he'll be on here at some point. I've been trying to get him on, but Rylan's all over the place lately. He's a little flaky. He's uh, That's why it was hard to do the podcast with somebody. That's why I started by myself because I was like, I kind of realized like as I started doing like more things, like especially like things like vlogs and like podcasts and stuff, it's kind of just like being consistent and like just keep doing it. It gets better over time and like you just need to keep yeah. doing it and like it's not, it doesn't have to be perfect the first time and stuff. And it's, it's really hard to rely on somebody else, especially when you want, you actually want to put the work in and then the other person's like half-assing it and you're like, Okay, so I just decided to do well, it myself. Yeah, I mean, you guys don't even live in the same place. It's hard to just no, do it. No, it was super hard. Yeah. And we tried to do yeah. it over the phone and, like, in different places, and it didn't work. And it was, like, I didn't really have, like, a general idea to it, but maybe down the line it would be something to come back to. But now you got Pat. Pat, yeah. Pat filled the void. I just sit yeah. here and provide <laughs> when, comfort. When we have guests, he doesn't know. He just sits here and, like, throws in, like, two words a podcast episode. <laughs> but that's Okay. <laughs> It's uh, right. it's nice having three people because like when I was doing it like one on one with people, it's kind of like felt like an interview instead of like a conversation. Yeah. I don't really want it to be as interviewee, and I'm not really I'm a little awkward when it comes to talking with people like especially like long conversations. So I thought having one more person well, to add to it. That's totally yeah. the reason why like someone like Joe Rogan just like took off. Yeah. Because the podcast would just start and then three and a half hours would go by, and you'd be like he had someone like Mike Tyson and didn't even talk about boxing. Yeah. But like, if you really want to know about Mike Tyson boxing, you can just look that up on the internet. Like, yeah. you want to know, like, what he does in his spare time, like, and, he, like, that's why he has such a big audience. So, like, not being like, all right, first question, and you answer it, <laughs> like, just talk. Yeah. And you he's come up with cool stories. Yeah. yeah, he's a very genuine dude. I'm not as genuine as Joe Rogan. I'll put that out there right now. But I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying better to stay away from, like, just the questions and, like, just the, like, basic, like, ski interview questions or, like, sports interview questions, but... It is hard, especially when you're starting out. I'm getting a little better at it. We're flowing a little better as you go down the line, but it yeah, is what it is. So it goes, man. Yeah, what have you been up to lately? We had fitness testing the last week, and other than that, I haven't seen you, like, all summer. 
Yeah, no, I mean, right now I'm currently rehabbing my knee, so I'm yes, yeah, not yeah, doing that. too much very exciting. I, uh, I can see it right now. Let's see I still it. have two stitches two stitches on top of my knee. Oh, wow. you see it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but it's like, it wasn't the worst surgery. Like, I mean, I've, I've had ACL surgery. I mean, Pat, you know what that's like. Yeah. So this is nothing. I can already walk, and it's been a week. What did so, they do? Meniscus? So, so the scientific term would be a, I had a bucket handle tear of my medial meniscus. Yeah. Which is a fancy way of saying the cartilage on the inside of my knee was cracked and it like flipped up. Yeah. So, so then when my knee tried to bend, it would just hit like, it would get jammed. I wouldn't be able to straighten it. Yeah. yeah. So I could still like do an air squat and I could do that stuff. I just couldn't jump or run or I'd get pain. So... Yeah. They basically say, yeah, if you want to be able to do what you want to do, like, we need to go ahead and cut that piece out. Yeah, that happened um, to me on so, my second or third one. Yeah. Third one. So, I mean, long-term, it's not the greatest, because now I just have less of a shock absorber, which is, like, I mean, I'm only 29 years old, and you want to keep as much of your shock absorber as possible. So, my advice for Bruce is don't do double misses off a trampoline to dead flat. Save your knees. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like... <laughs> See, I know... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for that video was that was a once one time thing. I was like, no, it was two time thing. It was a two time thing. Well, I, okay, I'll get I'll get into that second. But I was I don't know. I haven't been like training on the trampoline that much, and outside of like going to the gym and doing MMA, I've kind of been like off the skiing lately, just because I've been so busy with work and like everything else. Yeah. Outside of maximize, it's like pretty much all the ski training I've been doing. And I was like, shit, I need to get content for today. I need to post something interesting, which is like I mean, yeah. classic two thousand twenty one ski ski kid, but. Um, I was like, damn Dude, it. Dude, it's uh, yeah. the Instagram trap, man. You're just like, it's what's going to get views? Me doing this crazy trick and like blowing my knees, but it's like... Yeah. Yeah. But anyways... Luckily, luckily, you, did, luckully you did it perfectly in two tries and didn't sit there all day just jamming your knees. <laughs> the, the, se- the second time I did it perfectly, I like the, the first time I did like a backflip <laughs> on the tramp and then I like misty it off and I was like, ah, that's kind of fun. And then I like bouncing and then like, you know how you get those ideas in your head when you're skiing or doing something you're like what if I could do this? And then, like, for some reason, you just have to try it. I was, like, midair, the sa- I was, like, bouncing around trampoline for a little bit longer, and then, like, a minute had gone by, I was, like, I'll just do, I'll just do another misty off, and I'll think about doing the double. And I went to do a misty off, and right when I set, I set for progression, because I was doing the, the double, per- like, the misty progressions on the trampoline, and I did, like, one and a half, and I was, like, midair, and I was, like, four feet above the air, I was, like, or in the air, and I was, like, oh, traveling onto the lawn i was like oh shit and i like, pulled as hard as i could and, like just <laughs> snuck it around to my stomach just like belly flopped on the grass and i was like damn it i could definitely do that i did one and then that was the end of that but like pat what like do you like live in the bruises then yeah i've been like, yeah, like what here. made you like the quarantine just like check it out in, that's his bed like, i'm moving to bruce i'm moving to bruce's house i've been living here for the past three summers i work for a wealthy man out on the bay here yes. so and just in terms of oh, work okay. location bruce got me the job and they're they're like my second family now so i just you know get the this has been really good with co- like covid this year because i get to work it didn't impact yeah. my job i'm outside all day and i get to hang out with bruce and trampoline and do whatever so it's been yeah. pretty pretty fun in that sense well, we. Yeah. I didn't know if all of a sudden COVID hit and you were like, I don't want to do this by myself. I need a friend. And yeah. you kind of drove up to Perry <laughs> well, and just moved in. That's what I thought happened. So it sounds a little bit better. Like, yeah. you have a job. And- <laughs> I do have a job. I wasn't planning on coming back, though. And then when COVID hit, I was like, I don't want to work in downtown Ottawa. I'm going to go back to my summer job. So that was yeah. definitely the better option for sure. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, like two years ago when we started hanging out, um, Pat. 
three? I guess it was three summers ago. Yeah, I started hanging with Pat, and I just like skiing at Mount St. Louis, and we got like became friends because we were never really friends in this, on like the Ontario team. We didn't really like each other. No, surprisingly. And then. <laughs> Funny how that happens. Though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think we were both too competitive, but uh, then like my boss needed extra. Like he, they're looking for like one other person to help out, and I was like. Oh well, I know this guy Pax would be hanging out, and he because he was doing things for FSO at that time at the water ramp, mm-hmm. and he's in Barrie, mm-hmm. and he wasn't getting like enough hours for that because it was kind of part time. So I'm like, he can come out and help. And then he lived at my cottage all summer that year, and then two years later, he's been up here pretty much every summer. Yeah, we lived out. together the year for that too. Yeah, and we lived in Barrie together the year for that. Yeah, here for coaching support on the sidelines. <laughs> yeah, I don't do too much anymore. <laughs> he's he's become my at home coach, and uh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, it helped out with the podcast and just—it's nice to have somebody to hang out with when you get bored. And absolutely. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Expe- the only thing is, like, when you work together with somebody and you spend like two and a half years together, it's like you want to kill them most of the time. But <laughs> now this time's been better because I I moved away for the winter. Before that, we lived yeah. together for the winters and the summer. <laughs> it was a little much. Um, so when, you, when you came back, there was something new. There's more to talk about. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's a little different. Yeah. Plus, we didn't work together all summer, which was nice. Yeah. All right, Jeff. Well, I mean, let's get let's get into the basic podcast questions. I got a couple lined up for you just to keep the podcast on track because I know a lot of the people that listen to this will be interested in all the stuff that you've done. Yeah. Great, man. So, um, I kind of gave an intro to who you were like before I, I hopped you on the podcast, but like you're pretty much the first real ski coach I've ever had, and uh, you like absolutely killed it on skis. And back in the day. I know, actually, I know almost all the kids in this area looked up to you, me for one. Um, and you got into a bunch of level one super unknown events. Uh, you made your own urban skiing movie, after all, and a bunch of other like insane stuff. And now you're running your own ski team agenda, which is, which is super sick. Um, so let's start at the beginning, man. How did you, how did you really get into skiing? Because you're from Manitoulin Island, and there's not a lot of skiing and stuff like that up there to begin with. So what is life as a kid look okay, like? Okay, so this is like perfect. So like, yeah. first of all, because I'm like super into this stuff, like I get super passionate when I talk about like skiing. Yeah. At any point in time, just like cut me off and ask <laughs> me a question because I'll just like talk, which no, is pretty good. good. <laughs> so like, first of all, you're, you're totally right. Like coming from Manitoulin Island, like I should be into hunting deers and like snow machining and ice fishing. Like there's yeah. no reason that I found a passion in extreme sports because yes. like it just doesn't happen. Like normally if you grew up in Manitoulin Island, like you just stay there. Like you, really? you just you just grow up there, and your kids go to school there, and you retire, and that's the end of that. And I don't know what it was about for me, but like I started off playing hockey, and for as I got better at hockey, I joined AAA, and uh, the closest team was Sudbury, so I had to drive like an hour and a half to go to hockey rinks and play in Sudbury. And at the time, the goal was like, let's go to the NHL, right? Like. Yeah. Let's have a dream. I always had like a dream of making a professional whenever I try. Like you know, with MMA or any yeah. of that stuff, like it's always nice to just have a dream if you don't achieve it because like there's a reason of doing it. Yeah. So for hockey, it was like let's go to the NHL. But unfortunately, the tallest I ever grew was five foot seven, hundred and fifty pounds, and I just got crushed after that once again into my teenage years. And I was getting my collarbones broken, and it was just like okay, I'm good at hockey, but if I get hit, I'm done. Like it's unfortunate. Yeah. And my best friend at the time, he ended up making it to the Oshawa Generals and played in the OHL. And then that's about as far as he made. But he was 6'1", 195 pounds. Yeah. And he was still the smallest on his team. So it was like, it just, I, it, I just wasn't for me. I wasn't that good at hockey that I was going to be like, 
little Martin St. Louis and be ripped around scoring hat tricks at five foot seven. So yeah. Um, then I just surrounded like I don't know how it happened, but in Little Current, which is a town I'm from, uh, there was four kids that are still my best friends to this day, in all different ages. Like my best friend Carson is one year younger than me, so I'm 29. He's 28 now, and then my next best friend Chris, he's three years younger than Carson. And then Chris's younger brother, Ryan, is like three years younger than him. So like, he'd be like nine years old, and I'd be 16. Yep. So skateboarding, rollerblading, trampolining, skiing, snowboarding, mountain biking, like it didn't matter. And so all four of us, like school would end. We'd hit each other up. Well, no, it wasn't even cell phones. We'd drive to each other's houses, like on our, like either get dropped off or biked, knock on the door. Is Chris home? Not today. Damn. Can you hear what Carson says? Knock on his door. Are you yeah. home? Yeah, Carson's home. And then we just go skateboarding until the, the lamps would switch on. And at times, oh, dinner time, time to go home. And that's what we did, like, every single day growing up. And then eventually, yeah, I just kind of got over hockey and was like, I need to be a professional skateboarder. Like, that's, that's the new dream. I'm going yeah. to. I still had to play hockey because my dad was like, he paid so much money for me to be a hockey player. Yeah. But like, as soon as I got done playing hockey, like the skateboard came out and I had rails in the backyard and I'd end up twisting my ankle skateboarding, which would ruin hockey. And then I get in a fight with my dad and I was like, <laughs> oh, like, I was like, honestly, I don't want to go to Sudbury anymore. Like, I just want to skateboard. Yeah. And so I decided at the time, like, you know what? I'm just going to chase skateboarding. Uh, from there, I lucked out that in Little Current, they decided to open up a skateboard shop called Borderline Skate Shop, and they ended up sponsoring me. And when I sent him my sponsor me tape, and it was like, <laughs> I was, at that time, I wasn't even that good, but like, yeah. I was the only skateboarder there, so they started giving me, every time I broke a board, I would get like half off. Yeah. And, and then I got to a certain point in time where I actually started getting pretty damn good at skateboarding, like, I was all in like 13 sets, and like, kickflip board slide down handrail, like a Jesus. small like five set. And he started giving me, like, every other board that I broke, I get a free one. Because one year I broke 21 skateboards Ooh. in oh a single summer. Oh, my God. Like, that's, that's how hard I was going. Yeah. And I'd, like, buy a board. He'd set it up. I'd leave. And then try to, like, kickflip down, like, a 10 set and snap the board. And I'd walk back in. He'd just put another deck on, like, an hour later. And then he'd give it to me. And I'd go back out and try it again. Oh, my and God, then, dude. then, obviously, then winter hits. Okay, yeah. I can't go skateboarding. So what am I going to do? A, a snowboard. It's, it's close to skateboarding, so I'm going to work on my board sleds on a snowboard, and then the transition to snowboarding. I want to be a pro snowboarder and skateboarder, just like Sean White. That'll be super sick. Like, go to the Dew Tour for, like, both. Like, yeah. how, how yeah. sick would that be? And, obviously, very impressive for someone to be professional at two sports, yeah, but absolutely. that's the way it was. And my best friend Carson, he got the very first ever twin tip skis the, uh, the yellow ones, the Solomon 1080s with, like, the tip guards. Yeah. That you saw, like, way back at J.P. Claire doing the first, like, backflip mute grab. He's like, dude, you can ski backwards on these things. And I was like, well, I play hockey. I mean, it can't be much harder than hockey. I'll just, like, strap these bad boys on. Yeah. And he'd been skiing for, like, five years, something like that. And then my first day, I did a backflip in both ways, three, six like just skating in like off the picnic table dropped in backflip landed it and he just like got so mad at me like my best friend didn't talk to me for like a week because i just <laughs> did a backflip and he's like okay just have my skis like that's it like i quit like why don't you stick to snowboarding like don't ski and i was like fine fine i won't ski and so i stuck to snowboarding for like another couple of years because he got mad at me yeah and then 
eventually like i was like i'm gonna try skiing because like i think it's easier than snowboarding i can like already do flips yeah and skiing kind of took over so that was that was the transition of wanting to be a pro skateboarder did some snowboarding to pass the time figured out the skiing was the easiest one that i like could use my hockey background and like trampolining and then skiing was like the one that like i try to pursue the most and then obviously it kind of paid off that yeah. I picked the right one. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. That's funny. I kind of yeah. got into it the same way, not like fully same way. I was never really into skateboarding, but like I was into hockey and obviously you know how big I was. When I was in high school competing, like playing hockey and like A and stuff, I was like four eight, four ten, and I weighed like 90 pounds. So it was not, it was not yeah. like I was good for my height and my size, but like people could literally just mm. put their hand on me and knock me over. And then I got into skiing yeah. I used to ski and snowboard, and then I started doing park in both, and I kept catching my front edges on rails on the snowboard and, like, catching my back edge trying to hit jumps. I was like, skiing's a lot easier, and I kind of kind of decided, I was like, it's a lot easier for park right now. I'm going to do that. You can you can figure out a snowplow without any training. Like, you, like yeah. your body, if you have any sort of coordination or balance and you need to stop on skis, you can kind of, like, jam your feet out to the sides. Yeah. But a snowboard, it's like you turn sideways, hook the toe edge, break your wrist, and you're like... It's over, like, so quick. <laughs> that's enough of that. Aww. So, but Manitoulin, there's not a lot of skiing. I, is there a ski out there? I don't think so, right? So, before I was born, there used to be a ski hill at two runs. Yeah. I don't even know what the name of it was. Like, uh, it was in between where I lived and, like, the next town. And it was all volunteer run. Like, yeah. it was an actual lift, but it was all volunteer run. Similar to, like, an Espanola Heads Boogie Mountain. Yeah. Uh, where, where Boomhauer is from, like yeah. skied from. So it, it, it was smaller even than that, but I, it was just closed down like when I grew up. So, I mean, the odd times on like a pow day, I get our parents to drive us out there and we would make little videos. There used to be kind of a, a crappy half pipe that we could build little side hits on and do like yeah. our backflips out of and stuff. But right off the bat, like my introduction to skiing was urban. Like okay. there was, um, my dad used to work at a manor where like, old people live or like as they retire they put in a home yeah. and it had like a hundred foot high hill mm-hmm. and we would go there and dig rails into the ground in september so they would harden yeah. like throughout september october november and just hope no one undug them yeah. so when it froze like the ground hardened they'd be like locked in for the winter time yeah and then we just every day we just hike there set up a tripod and just like you know the night before watch an old poor boy poor boys movie of someone doing like a front 270 out and then us just trying to be like, okay, how did he do that? He like, he did something with his edges. Now we know it's called scissoring your skis, but like, yeah. we didn't know terms for it. He's like, oh man, like he did something with his legs where he kind of like did this. So let's like see what happens. And of course, we were like sharp edges, like attaching our edges and dragging our back foot, doing broken slides. So we didn't know what we were doing properly. And yeah. eventually, like one of us would get the front two, but double hand drag, and then be like, oh dude, you almost had it, like. Oh man, and then they hike the next person to get and finally someone would get the front two and then it was like, What's the next trick? Back two. Okay, what's the next trick? And so right off the bat it was that and then it was okay, this rail's not long enough. What's around town? Okay, if we go downtown there's like a big cement ledge, a stack a bunch of snow and slide down the cement ledge. So it was kinda of crazy that like my introduction was doing like the hardest thing possible. <laughs> like trying a concrete ledge as my rail opposed like in a train park. Yeah. So once I eventually got to Mount St. Louis, then it was easy, because I was like, oh my god, these things are waxed, like, the rail's meant to be slid, like, this is easy, I, like, so I almost had it, like, it's like training with, uh, ankle weights, and then you take them off, and all of a sudden, the rails are meant to be slid, and all of a sudden, my progression went, like, through the roof, once I got to a ski hill, 
but uh, I'm, I'm glad that I did Urban first because it just like it took me on the perfect trajectory of like what I ended up being like before a ski coach like you said it was like the level one stuff like th- that mm. maybe if I started a ski hill maybe I would have chose competitions which isn't like a bad thing obviously I coach it yeah. but like because I did Urban and like watched films every single day and then tried to reenact that that's my path that I chose so Kind of cool. No, that's awesome. I was actually, that was one of my things I had written down there because I was going to ask you how you got into urban skiing, but that's, it's funny because that, it's like, yeah, exactly. You already answered your one step that's ahead. That's all I had. Yeah. But like, yeah. no, it's interesting because like, it's not something that you, you'll see nowadays. I, I, it would be hard for me to handpick a skier coming up that came up in a way like that. Like, I think my generation, Pat's generation is probably pretty close to like the last generation that would have kind of touched on that. And even I didn't, like, do it like that much. Like, for me, my skiing was, like, hitting, like, learning how to ski and getting into skiing was, like, hitting bumps on the side of the hill and stuff like that, doing 360s, and then building rails in my backyard and, like, making little jumps off snowplow, like, down a hill and do a snowplow thing. I'd, like, dig out a, uh, a jump off out of, like, a big snowplow pile and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then, I'm... like, go to the hills. But, like, I, like, I never hit, yeah. like, urban, like, legit urban rails or anything like that when I was... Not until yeah. I had gotten, like, at least a couple years into, like, skiing, and then I was, like, saw a couple movies and I was interested. And I, I mean, don't get me wrong, like, the very first handrail I hit wasn't, like, yeah. you know, a 25-foot down, flat down. Like, yeah. it was, it was like, hey, like, it, uh, there's an old movie in Poor Boys, Rick Candy Tovex uh, in War, he, like, goes up this quarter pipe and he goes, like, 30 feet up into a tree. Yeah. And he, like, he's on it sideways, and they get a photo of him, and he pops back down. It's, like, the super legendary shot. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, we should try to do something like that. But, like, we had, there was no bungees back then. There was no winches. We did, hardly had hills. So, like, I found a tree. It was probably something you'd find in your backyard. Yeah. And, like, had my buddies, like, push me, like, with a snow machine. And then, like, I maybe went three feet up the tree. Like, yeah. when I did it, it felt so damn cool. I was like, oh, crap, man, I'm up, like, I'm on a tree, I'm stalling it. And then I go back and watch it on, like, the Sony action cam and be like, holy crap, that looks tiny. Like, it wasn't <laughs> even, like, worth film. But, like, when I did it, I thought I was Candy Dovex, and then you're like, oh, my God, that's embarrassing. You watch it, like, like, oh, my God. And you, yeah. like, don't use the clip. But, like, yeah. So it started with, like, stuff like that. And then, obviously, now you go to Whistler, and they have quarter pipes onto trees and stuff like that. Yeah, and you're like, oh, my God, this is actually in the parks now. But... Yeah, there was a time in my in my like when I was coming up that I got towed into a beaver dam to do a three sixty oh, off yeah. a frozen beaver dam on the lake. And there's like those are the things I used to do like to to ski like a little bit with like my friends. Like you'd be like hanging out with your friends, you'd be like, What can we do? And like there's like two of you guys into skiing, you're like, Maybe we can go tow each other off this beaver dam or something, make a little lip. I didn't funny. I didn't have many people that were into it. Because like, I grew up near Ottawa but like forty five minutes away. So there was, like, yep. Calabogie and Pakenham, but they really had nothing for, like, parks. Like, just the crappiest little jumps and stuff. So I always made my own backyard, like, stuff, but it was always jumps. My dad would come out with the car and tie the ski rope up, and we we have, we were responsible for plowing our own driveways. We'd have big snow banks, and we just put all the loose snow with the snowblower, and I'd just eject myself onto this flat <laughs> snow pile. My dad was in control of the speed. <laughs> and then I'd maybe use the corner of the dock as a rail, and that's kind of how I started it, and then... But I was always snowboarding before skiing. Yeah, same. Well, you know what the crazy thing is? It's like, I, it's, it's funny to think that there was a time when I was doing tricks on my skis that I wasn't filming. Like, I was just going out and doing 
making it for fun like yeah, and, like yeah. some of the stuff i like back then obviously it wasn't as cool but at the time i was like oh man like maybe i should film that that was actually probably worthy for like but there was no instagram there's none of that stuff and i remember there was this one time where i bombed it down this like 50 foot hill I, made, I had to, like, dig out a path, and there was just a huge patch of ice, like, a ride-on patch of ice, and I think I, like, spun a 1080, like, I just, like, got to the patch of ice and just wound up and just was, like, one, two, three, and I was, like, oh, man, like, that was technically a 1260, it was on ice, but I was, remember being so stoked that, like, how many rotations I just did on this, like, flat patch of ice, like, going across the hockey rink, basically, and I was, like, oh, I should have filmed that, like, that would have been, that could have been my ender for the season, and, like, now we would not even like it. It wouldn't even be worth going down the hill to do. <laughs> like <laughs> when you're a kid, though, those things are what makes the sport so exciting for you. Like it's it's when you're younger, yeah. the different things is what gets you into it. And there's so many things you've done. Everyone's done that. You're like, oh, I should have filmed that. Like the crazy memories are usually yeah. the ones you don't have on footage, which is always which is always cool. But I mean, you move on from that now, and like yeah. now as a coach, it's. Uh... I mean, spinning across the patch of ice was the progression to a 270 onto a box. Like, it just was, the box was a patch of ice, right? So now, like, looking back, you know, I'll have an athlete who's a little, a little timid to spin on, spin on, uh, right on box. Well, I'm like, hey, let's just, like, do some pivots on the snow, but just to get the idea of our heads going around, right? And, uh, just, like, the progression doesn't have to be a 270 onto an urban down rail. It's like, what else can we find? It's not even in the train park to be able to come up with a, a modification to this, right? So yeah, exactly. Um, be, being innovative and coming up with different ways, I think, it's probably helped me as a coach as well. Yeah, uh, I could see that for sure. I mean, you got the background that a lot of other coaches don't have, in that sense. Yeah, I actually think you're probably one of the most qualified like coaches that I personally know, just like from an actual skiing like perspective, like that's actually done. Like, because there's a lot of coaches that are like. They're good coaches, don't get me wrong, but they have they don't actually know how to do like a lot of the tricks that they're teaching you how to do. Which I think it can is is pretty like it is definitely important. Yeah. Extent. Well I, yeah. I mean the way I like to think about it is I mean the kids I coach now are all better than me. Like I mean like back in when I was doing it, like I think I did maybe three doubles on snow and they were all terrible. Like they're not even worth mentioning. But like pretty if sick, you, you back did a double if you did a double back when, like, I was doing it, it was, it, like, you almost, like, would get your name on a pair of skis. It was almost, like, that big of a deal yeah, to, like, do yeah. a double flip, if you could grab at least. Yeah. And uh, I was like, oh, man, like, if I want to be pro, like, I, I just got to get, like, any double around, right? But now there's, like, 12-year-old kids that can do, like, three-way doubles. It's like, I, I mean, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, I'd say a dub 12 now is, like, a cork nine blunt, like, back hey. when I probably started like if you could do a cork nine blunt you were the best at, at your ski hill yeah. and now like dub 12s kind of like move that it's like jumped up a whole other flip depends on your area because like there's a lot of yeah oh, don't of course have depends on what kind of jumps you have but yeah. yeah for like you you coach at like cot's and norams and i remember doing norams four years ago where if you did a nine to two switch tens and like decent rails you'd win now it's like almost three now doubles it, at no the now it is level. now people are doing three doubles in norams there's oh. a couple contests where yeah. people were doing Three way dub twelves last year. Yeah, like, or you yeah. get a triple, or yeah. you get fourteens or sixteens. Yeah. Like no, it's definitely no. I think you're pretty bad well, I mean, at that. Yeah, so I mean, I never really did like. Obviously, I did a lot more rail contests because that was kind of my background. But I did yeah. try some slope style contests, and I was against like Sandy, uh, Beauville, and yeah. Jameson Irvine and them. Yeah. And I remember like at the time, I think my best trick was like a rodeo seven safety grab, and I wouldn't even say safety grab. I can say boot grab. Yeah, that was like that was my best run, and you were allowed to and you were allowed to revert in your run. 
like two in, two off, revert. Yeah. Oh, Jameson doing like left cork nine to switch left ten to switch left rodeo five to like left four fifty onto like the teardrop rail. And this is like way back when I was like he's wearing the Solomon G suit. Oh, and, I yeah. just, and I was at the time like I could I was too scared to hit the teardrop rail. Like I just never hit something that big before. So like I was out in like the first round. It was like like I it wasn't even a finals, it was just kinda of run to two runs, kinda of like a timber tour style, style thing. Yeah. And I remember just being like Dude, I'll never be able to do a switch ten mute. Like that's like, like Sammy Carlson does switch ten mutes. And that's his ender in a poor boys movie, and like Jameson's doing that at sixteen. And now, like, well, I mean, me and Bruce have hucked switch fourteen forties in the junkyard. Oh, it's yeah. like once you learn how to once you learn how to do it, it's like not, not that, that hard. hard. It just basically spin and hope you hit the ground. But like at the time, it. it was like insane. Yeah, I always liked skiing. Like still now, though, I'd rather watch like a ski movie from like two thousand eight to two thousand twelve than a newer one. Like. The style and like Corey Vanular would do like I don't know if it was Vanular like Candide they would do like cork nines onto boxes like huge gaps yeah. flat down box. When's the last time well, you saw someone do one of those? <laughs> well, fun fact is like we did the Super Unknown contest and when we were there, Josh Berman asked us like every single one of us, "What is your favorite level one movie?" And they at the time they'd done maybe seventeen or eighteen movies. They're at twenty now, right? I yeah, believe. I think they, they stopped, stopped at twenty. They stopped at twenty. They stopped at twenty. Yeah, I think they're at the 20th one. Um, and at the time, they were like 17 movies or 18 movies. And every single one of us said that Refresh from 20, like 2010 Good yeah. movie. was the best movie that they ever made. Like back when, like, it, it, like you're exactly what you're saying, like Rodeo 9 Mute to Lead Japan was like a trick. They were just singing a movie on this massive jump, which is a trick that like, hey, we can actually do that. I don't know if I'd want to do it on the 130-foot jump, but no. like... It was just stylish and clean, and it's like a realistic trick. And I think now you start to watch the videos, and you're just like, well, quadruple cork, whatever. And you're just like, well, I don't even really want to try that. Yeah, but it was yeah, really exactly. fun to see someone do like a rodeo 450 onto a rail and be like, I could do that. Yeah, I could. Just, I mean, Bruce, you, we can talk about my rodeo 450 attempt. That could be another uh, point. But you can be like, you can start to see some of those tricks and be like, I could maybe do most of these, not as clean or as stylish or as good of a grab, but like, doesn't they get the ideas there? And then now, like, I feel like some of the clips you see are just so far out there that you're just yeah. like, it's discouraging almost. The, which style, kind of shame, the style is what set yeah. you apart more so than the degree of difficulty. There is, yeah, there is like some stylish, bigger tricks, and there's a lot of people the that do, do a lot of cool stuff, but like, the just the degree of like difficulty on tricks nowadays is like, you're either like, uh, yeah, it's not something that you look at and you're like, okay, that guy just did dub 16, uh, dub tailed, I can do that. It's like, oh my god, <laughs> that's insane! But like, there's no way. And each trick, each each trick looks different, right? Like I was watching, uh, I think Andre Regetley posted a video the other day, and he goes down and does like a switch double bio twelve octo grab. Yeah. And it's like way less stylish than Phil Langevin's like yeah perfect switch double bio twelve octo. Yeah. But then the following trick is him doing a double cork sixteen double blunt, and you're like, okay, but that trick was stylish. Yeah. So like, I like Andre's double sixteen, but like I. Maybe it's just double misty looks a little bit like too yeah. gymnastic. Even so, there's like everyone has a different trick that looks really good. Yeah. It's, so it's it's hit or miss, right? Like. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I guess we will talk about that. It's funny how you brought that up. I was thinking about that actually earlier before the podcast. When I when I first yeah. like my first year on Jeff's team, I think I was like really getting into skiing, and Jeff was like, "You're still you're still doing some filming because you were like you're doing some filming for Moss Culture at the time, which we can also talk about if you want." Yeah. But. 
Uh, and I was like at the ski hill one day, and you were randomly there, and I was like, and we were like hanging out, and I was like, you like and let me come and like hang out with you guys, where you guys were like shooting some clips from Moss Culture, and I was like hitting rails, and like you guys were getting stoked, and you were like, you're getting stoked, and you guys get some good shots, and you're like, you I don't know where you got this idea from, but you cut, you're like, do you think I could 450 onto this rail, or rodeo 450 onto this rail? Rodeo 450. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, and little Bruce is like not knowing enough. I'm like. That, that looks pretty hard, but I'm also like, it's Jeff Lovelace. He I want to see this. Jeff yeah. Lovelace can do this. If anybody at the skill can do it, it's going to be Jeff. You always say yes to it. And I'm like, and I'm like um, yeah, I, th- I think maybe you can do it. And you're like, yeah, I think I can do it. I <laughs> you talk about it, but like, it did not go as planned, I don't think. So on that, yeah, I was like, well, what's going to be the ender for this edit, right? Like, we're yeah. in the junkyard, and there's only so many tricks you can do on these straight down rails. Like, yeah. you know, there's been a lot of edits done in here, so I want to have something that, like, stands up for my video. And like you said, like, there's just there's been tricks that I've seen in movies. They've like, always wanted to flip onto a rail. Now, that summer, I had done, I tried a rodeo 450 onto a flat down box at Momentum. Yeah. And I accidentally... It's funny because people won't know this, but I accidentally over-rotated and did a rodeo 630 onto the box, and then made me do a continuing two out to, like, absolutely perfection, too. Like, I landed just past the kink, rodeo six on, continuing two, still to this date, and will probably, I'll never be able to top that best trick I've ever done. And it was, like, cool because it was, like, right after, like, right beside Corey Vanular. Cutting out hard here, guys. Sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, okay, you still hear me? Yeah, yeah, we're good. It's my Wi-Fi. Yeah. Sometimes it's bad. Yeah, and so I got to do that trick, and then they ended up giving me the ender at uh, in one of the momentum sessions. Yeah. So that was like another thing that was on my bucket list. I was like, oh, I want to be in a momentum ski camps edit. Like that'd be so sick. So how do I get out there? I'm gonna work the airbag. Yeah. Okay, and work the airbag. How can I get in front of the camera? I had someone run the airbag for me for like 30 minutes, so I could run and get in front of the camera. I was like, yeah. what can I do? Uh Rodeo 450 onto this box, accidentally do a 630, two out, get the trick, get the ender for the edit. And I was like, all right, check that off the bucket list. (laughs) And so we were at Louie, and I was like, maybe I can get the 450. And then if I land, like, locked in, like, maybe I can go back to forwards or, like, press two, that'd be pretty dope. And I should have known that halfway to the rail, when I had to, like, use my poles and speed a couple extra times, that I didn't have enough speed to do what I was about to do. Because my worst case scenario, like worst case, I rodeo five over the entire rail and I just land it to flat, and that'll still be a dope shot. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I didn't even make it over the curve, no. and I literally tacoed down the entire thing and somehow still rode away and rearranged my organs and uh, had to go to the hospital. And luckily, it was just bruised ribs. But yeah, that, that was, was a good bad. introduction. To- <laughs> It's pretty bad. And then Bruce was like, I need to be coached by that guy. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that, that makes sense. I'm going to get coached by this Logically. guy. Well, I don't know. I like I like Send. I respect it. I like getting, I don't like getting hurt, but I like, I don't know. I kind of grew up like the same way in the ski hill. Like you'd look at a chick and you'd be like, I think I can do that. And then you try it, not yeah. like go to the trampoline and do it a million times before. But like there was a point like when I first got on your team, like I guess it was maybe the year after that, um, that we like we had trampoline sessions in, Barry at Vertical Zone, and I was driving like an hour and a half, like twice a week to go trampoline training with you guys. And yeah. like, stuff like that helped a lot to yeah. just like get everything. Well, here's a cool story. I mean, I remember, so before you joined my team, because um, Sean, because uh, she was working for Mount St. Louis, yeah. and she's like, oh, there's this kid named Bruce, and he does left 360 screaming semen to right 360 screaming semen. <laughs> and at the time, I at the time, 
Yeah. I could have cared less about the screaming semen, but like, I was like, oh, there's a kid who can spin both way 360s. Like, we should yeah. get him on our team. Like, that's, and it's so funny that, like, you still do screaming semen to this day because I, I remember. having a little lull in the action. Do <laughs> a rodeo with the Screaming Siemens? Oh, I was like, dude, don't do a straight show. If you're going to do a Screaming Siemens, you at least got to do a rodeo. Do it in, in, in slow motion on my like iPhone like 4. It's just this perfect rodeo 5 Screaming Siemens. You stomp it and, like, and now you still do that trick like yeah. <laughs> 8 years later. A little advanced down the line now. You got rodeo 9 Screamings. I'm waiting to see a rodeo 12 Screaming. That's I can my, do those. I, did that, too. I did that too. I did rodeo did 12 Screaming to Octo. Oh, that's safety, right. No, that is right. Screaming Siemens on cross to Octo. That's right. It's so funny how that trick came about because like I don't know why I got into screaming Siemens, but I started doing 360s and 540s with them. And then at my first, my only trip to, only summer camp trip to Momentum, I was like just sending things. And I did a straight up 12 screaming Siemens. I did a 540 screaming Siemens uncrossed to pencil nine. It was like the, uh, the most whack thing ever. And that was the only trick I was comfortable doing was like spinning a screaming Siemens. I don't know why. And then I started doing rotary fives. Honestly, it's gotten to the point where I've kind of have enough of them, but... They are something that you don't see every day, and they score well. So I've kind of been keeping them around the repertoire a little bit. No, like think about it. Like you could have joined the team, and I could have been like, dude, if I ever see you do a screaming team again, like you're you're evicted from the team. <laughs> but I was just like, no, there's a way we can like do this that is like kind of cool. With the and now, like, you hit a quarter pipe, and you do your big rodeo nine screaming team, and it like beats double quarters. Yeah. So it's just like. Like, sometimes doing something, like you said, like, man, doing straight 12 pencil screaming semen, it was, like, so lame. But, no, like, if you hadn't done that, now it's leading to dub 12 screaming semen, like, you're working towards something else, right? So. I got some other things I'm working towards with that as well. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. So, I mean, I guess we already covered how you got into urban skiing. Filming kind of came naturally from movies and stuff, and, like, you kind of got into filming. And then you started filming for doing your thing with Moss Culture, which is... From my understanding of it, was you and a bunch of friends were trying to where you were putting out uh, episodes, and you had a little production company called Moss Culture, right? Yeah. So how that came to uh, fruition is uh, once I moved down to uh, Barry to go to to go to Georgian College, yeah. and the only reason I chose Georgian College because that was the closest ski hill. Yeah, like, yeah, that's why I chose. I remember just scrolling. <laughs> I just like scrolled through all the courses, and I was like, nothing on here says professional skier. <laughs> like that's not a thing you can go to school for yeah and then i remember my uncle just being like just go to school for business like you, like business is only going to help you right yeah and i thought it was like oh my god okay two-year no co-op business that'll get me to barry and i go skiing every single day i go off school yeah little did i know i'd start my own business so eh. yeah sometimes you, know. you don't know what's going to happen right yeah so i remember just skiing at horseshoe valley and Jeff Barrett, big six foot seven Jeff Barrett working the ski lift he saw me in my in my uh, magic suit like 6XL hoodie hanging out the bottom and didn't even, I don't even know if you didn't see me ski, maybe you saw me slide a rail, but he was just like, yo, this guy looks steezy, like we want him, we should get him in our videos and at the time, Moss Culture was strictly snowboarding, yeah. like it was all snowboarding and they've been doing it for a few years, so Chris Devedra and Jeff Barrett, they started Moss Culture and uh, Jeff's like, yeah, you should come out and uh, hit Urban with us and I was like, oh, I do that all the time and they're like, really? And I was like, well, not around here because I don't know, like, anyone. And you can't really do urban without a crew. No, no, Like, no. unless you're setting yeah. up a tripod. So I was like, I mean, you, you know. So, but yeah, come out, blah, blah, blah. And I remember my very first session with him, we went to um, Ferris Lane, yeah. which is, like, just, like, Cundles uh, yeah. and yeah. Ferris. And there's, like, this blue rail, and it was a closeout rail with maybe, like, eight, eight, eight 
eight or nine foot drop off the end. Uh, it's, it's like an insurance building. Yeah. Um, I know exactly. And so I, I was left. Yeah, yeah. This is a pretty classic spot. Like I feel like a lot of people have hit it now. And that was my first introduction. Um, and I was like, okay, so I show up and I can't remember all the introduction to a banshee bungee. And um, yeah, and I remember the. I remember someone was like going to do a trick, and then we started to say, "Oh, I can hear myself now." Yeah. Are you good? Yeah, yeah, you're good. Keep going. Sorry, I just have to. Yeah. Okay. Keep talking. Yeah. Yeah, and so I remember. Obviously, I didn't want to just roll up and be like, "All right, hand me the bungee. It's my turn to get a trick, right?" Like I have to pay my dues. It's like a new crew. I don't know anybody. I'm the only skier, and at the time, like you know, snow snowboarding and skiing doesn't always get the best rep. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna pull this bungee. The old friggin' night to like earn, earn my place in the crew, right? So yeah. I remember we started at nine, and it was like the first guy didn't get his trick until about ten thirty, and then the next snowboarder lined up to get his trick, and next thing you know that we've been to about four or five snowboarders, yeah. And it's now three thirty a three thirty a.m. I think, and I class class at seven a.m. And I was just like, oh my god, like I'm gonna be the last one to go, but like that's okay, I've been invited, like whatever. And at 3.30 a.m., the last snowboarder gets a shot. And I was like, okay, time to get myself up there. No warm-up. And all of a sudden, all the people are like, yeah, we're going home. Like, retired. It's 3 a.m. And all the snowboarders just, like, packed up and left. And I yeah. didn't even get to do a trick. Like, they all just took their bungee. And uh, But Jeff and Chris remembered that, like, I sat there all night pulling a bungee and not even, like, in ski boots, like you know how hard it is to run oh, ski yeah, boots on like hard, pavement, yeah. pull a bungee, and I did it for every single person. And other people took turns like warming up in their cars, and I just stayed out there all night. And they were like, "I remember that. Like that guy worked his ass off and didn't even get to try." So they they invited me out like every other time, and then slowly it ended up becoming like just me, Jeff, and Chris. Like everyone else who wasn't as dedicated to it got weeded out. Yeah, and I I was obviously into it. So all of a sudden it turned into me, Jeff, Joel, the lacquer. And me, so just the four of us, and then yeah. other people popped in here, here and there, but it turned into a crew of four. And Joel obviously wanted to get as far as he could with snowboarding, and my goal ended up becoming: I want to be in a professional ski movie. Yeah, I want to, I want to get on level one. So we sort of teamed up, realizing that like no matter what trick Joel did on the rail, it wouldn't matter because he's a snowboarder. Yeah, because he's a snowboarder. That's true. That's a good dynamic probably to have actually. Yeah. Yeah. So like you know, if you show up. If you go um, urban skiing, if you guys go together and there's a perfect rail, and Bruce, you do a 450 under the under the rail. We'll pass him. We we'll have to at least do a 450 or something completely different, or I'm going to steal his trick. Yeah. yeah. So maybe you would decide to do a switch tails too, because then at least one of you guys did a fours and one exactly. of you guys did a switch. But with with him, I could just pick the gnarliest trick that I thought I could do on the feature, and it wouldn't matter because I wasn't stealing from him. Yeah. yeah. And so we would just take turns going forwards, and and it really worked out because both of us. Stuff never got crossed. Yeah. They crossed up, and everyone would watch our, our movies, and it was really good. Yeah. That's awesome. And then, so that transitioned into, I mean, I guess we kind of talked about Super Unknown and stuff, but like, you ultimately did get into Super Unknown, and was it two or three years you did Super Unknown? Going for two years. Two years, yeah. So first year, I made my movie. Yeah. And I I got. I got picked to be in semifinals. Yeah. So it was the first year they had a semifinals, which basically required me to spam Facebook. 
yeah. and get as many likes on my video as possible to yeah. earn the, the, the final 10 spot, right? Yeah. So I don't know how, because like I, you know, on Facebook, like I have 2,000 friends on Facebook, yeah. but really I have like 10 friends in my life. Like, yeah. this is like a lot of random people. And I remember just sitting there all day, just going up and down, like I didn't even know people's names, just like right click, paste, enter, right click, paste, please yeah. vote for me, please vote for me. And somehow I beat Brent White. Whipple, yeah, for like the final spot, and like I remember watching his video at the time. He had both way dub sevens, both way dub tens, both way dub twelves, both way switch dub nines. Damn, like because he, he he was in Mammoth, California, so he didn't really have urban, yeah, like no snow. And then like I think he had one urban shot at the end, yeah. So he had all these insane jump tricks, and I didn't have one single jump clip in my entire edit. It was only ur- urban, yeah, urban. yeah. Good here. Sorry, Jeff. We just yeah, we just cut out here. And um, I think I think that's okay. I I think all all you missed probably was I like I think having my video being all urban. Yeah. And like well filmed and just like the song and everything just got me more votes. Yeah. Um, because yeah, he definitely like is a better skier than me like overall like just I know what he can do like his edit was sick as well. Yeah. Um, and somehow so I got the most votes, but like it kind of. I didn't feel like I earned the spot, if that makes sense. Yep. Like, I got to go to Super Unknown, but I was like, I have to do it again. Like, not because I want to win. Like, obviously, w- I didn't get voted to win when I got there, which would have yeah. been amazing. But, like, I felt like I didn't even have a chance to win because they're not going to all vote for the person who got semi-voted in on Facebook. Like, yeah. you're not, like, an actual finalist. Like, people aren't going to vote for you unless you destroy it when you're there. Yeah. So, I, like, made a pact. I was like, you know, next year I'm going to do it again. But, like, I'm going straight to finals. Like, I need to prove it to myself that, like, I, I didn't just get in because people liked my video. Like, I yeah. want to have a video where, like, the guys at level one are like, nope, that guy's fucking coming. Like, and I remember, like, day one or then the following year, day one of the finalist drop. And I was, like, the first, like, first finalist, Jeff Loveless. And, like, here's my edit. Yeah. And I remember just being, like, there. Like, there, Hell I earned yeah. it this time. Like, that feels so fucking good. And, like, and then I saw everyone else who came on the list. And I've been, like, oh, I'm with Jonah Williams. Like, I'm going to vote for him and I've never even skied with him before. Like, I already knew who was going to win before I got there. I was like, that guy's, like, been in three slush games. Yeah. And, like, I'm just this guy who's, like, filming around Barrie, Ontario. Like, I, I just knew that, like, I was already going to vote for him. But I was like, don't care. I'm going. Yeah. And Jonah Williams ended up winning. And they're like, that's what was supposed to happen. He's the best skier. Like, yeah. and, uh, and, then, and then I was going to do it for the third year. But then coaching kind of took over. And then I had to, like, decide risk versus reward. Is it more important for me to like make throw my body off buildings and yeah. jump down these crazy rails till three o'clock in the morning, where I make no money? Yep. In the hopes that like maybe I'll I'll get a segment in a level one movie, which I still don't get paid for. No. Or can I start my own business coaching? And I decided to go on the route of like let's help other kids achieve their dreams. And yep. uh, yeah, so I decided not to do it again. Um, and I don't have any regrets for not doing it again because my goal was to make it in a level one movie and there is a segment in less and i'm in the bonus segment there you so go technically i made it in a level one movie it that's wasn't in the movie but i'm in a bonus segment of a movie and that's good enough for me so. i would count it no i i count it that's awesome yeah man and then so i guess i'll bring up the one yeah. i'll post the clip in the podcast but um there's a pretty gnarly video of you nutting yourself <laughs> on a chair chairlift rail that does feature there I can already tell what you're gonna say when, yeah, yeah. 
What is the what is the worst crash you you've ever that? had? Yeah, well, what's the worst crash you've ever had or injury you've ever had from skiing or anything in general? They do it online. I mean, so like the worst one you would see on camera, like you're watching me sack myself on a 25 foot high chairlift and like with cables and chairs and like just yeah. a death drop. Like visually, that was probably the worst crash. But, like, had absolutely no pain. Like, the rail was so wide that I basically straddled it with the insides of my thighs. And then from, like, all the trampoline training, I basically did a misty progression to avoid landing on my face. Yeah. And the landing was just super slushy. And then I just bounced back up, and then I got it next shot. Like, I literally sacked it once, realized what the speed was, and then got it second try. And then stopped, never hit the rail again. I like, like, there's my trick done. So that was the one that, like, looked the gnarliest. Yeah. And then... Um, I mean, the worst injury, uh, was tearing my ACL on a 540 in the junkyard on the last jump that's like, what, 35 feet? It says 40, but like, let's be honest, like yeah, it's 30, maybe. Yeah. I literally did a 540, both brand new skis, like sharp as edges you could possibly imagine. Yeah. I went to revert back to forward and the ski just like caught and my whole knee just like popped. And so like, there's like the worst injury, but like. Uh, it didn't translate like it no. visually you would have been like oh good edge catch buddy like it happens to you guys all the time yeah. like in the middle of the contest you like catch an edge and you fall but like i don't know why this one time it messed up it's funny how like the the smallest things are usually the ones that take people out the most yeah like pat yeah. pat tore his acl literally riding over a chunk of ice like skiing down the hill so but i blame it on i don't know i don't know if pat's already t- <laughs> i don't know if pat's already told the story but like Luke Lambert filled me in on, like, the funniest thing he's ever seen Pat do. Yeah. was, like, he was <laughs> in Australia. And yeah. I want, I want to get Pat's side of the story because I've only got Luke's side of the story. He's like, all right, so I'm riding the chairlift, and I look over, and I see Pat coming into this one jump, and it's just super windy. <laughs> like, a super windy day. And I see Pat go off the jump, and I think it was, like, setting up for, like, a dub 10 or something like that. Yeah, but, like, he was maybe, like, at half airplane in a Cork 7, and he was already past the nut. Yep, that sounds about right. The amount of times that day that I told Pat Walsh, the amount of times that day I told Pat Walsh I did not want to jump, I can't even count on both hands. But he convinced me to do it because Christian and Ryland were doing it, and we're all in a train, and I happened to get hit the worst. Apparently, (laughs) right to flat, cork seven to the tranny. That's the last, last jump at us on Front Valley too. So it's flat afterwards. Yeah, there's no hill after that. That's. What was the plane like? Plane ride like for twenty four hours with two broken ankles. Well, um, I had it was broken heels, not even ankles, like the heel bone in the bottom of my foot, because the ski boot kept my ankle straight. But I had full cast from the knees down. I was in a wheelchair. Um, so Saxon and Pat drive me to Sydney, drop me off in a hotel room, and take my wheelchair. So now I'm in a hotel room. I can't walk. I have no wheelchair. I'm just sitting here. Like I don't know what I'm going to do. So I'm like lay down on the office chair and like pulling myself along. Anyway, I had this male nurse dude from New Zealand and I flew first class. I went with the pilots. I did had no lines. Uh, totally private. Flew nice. First class with like the beds in the front. Probably the best flight I've ever had, all things considered. Except for you have to give yourself blood thinners, inject yourself in the stomach with a needle like that big every four hours. That sucks. Yeah. Get blood clots. Yeah, not afraid of needles anymore though. On the plus side, <laughs> I guess that's a bonus. There you go. Yeah, uh, that was uh, a fun trip until that happened. Yeah, I actually blew my not fully blew, but partially blew my left knee in that. I didn't know about it till after because I couldn't feel anything. 
Yep. Yo, I got another story for this podcast. Actually, we're yep. talking about the worst injuries. Okay, yeah. Bruce, you're gonna love this story. Right. Okay, so this isn't even like the worst injury, but this is like, like, it, like it, it just makes people laugh. So, you guys know what a hematoma is, right? Yeah. Like, he hit like a muscle and it like bleeds under right the skin. You basically just get like, a big blood blister. Yeah. Okay, so, <laughs> alright. So, buckle in. Here we go. <laughs> so, I. It was like at Blue Mountain, and you know, like Blue Mountain, when you're when you're in the Badlands Train Park, it gets super icy, right? Like the oh, landings yeah. are basically washboards. Yeah. Like you land, and then you try to stop for the next feature. It's like, because <laughs> like everyone lands, and like snowboarders have to put the brakes on on their heel edge and just like break to the next one. Yeah. So I remember going for a front four, catching my edges, and just going hip first into like the iciest landing you've ever like, you know, just oh. to a skating rink. Yeah. And I remember like lying there, being like, I just tore my ass cheek like this is bad <laughs> i've been there <laughs> i wake up the next day and i'm not gonna lie like half of a watermelon grew up the side of my butt cheek <laughs> like it was huge dude. like when i jumped it would go up and down my hip oh god like, it was like a giant tumor it was so gross like you'd poke it and it would like it was like a water bed oh and then my buddy calls me up and he's like yo we're going to trombone like do you want to join and i was like well i don't want to not go to go back like yeah. i just you know, I just see this giant hematoma on my hip, like, no big deal. So we're in Quebec, and we're skiing, and every time I, like, I, I pop under rail, I can feel this, like, toma just going up and down. It's so oh, gross. Yeah. And, and, of course, we're filming, and we're filming, and I was like, all right, well, I'm going to 450 onto this box. Yeah. <laughs> and so I 450 on, and I slip out and land directly on oh. the hematoma, and I'm just like, wait. It didn't hurt so bad. Woohoo! We lucked out. It just okay. And stand up, and I can't find it, dude. Like I look around my body. <laughs> there's no hematoma on the right side. There's no hematoma on my left. I look around, and then I realize it all went to my balls. Oh. All the fluid had drained directly to my balls, <laughs> and like it, it just like took the path of least resistance like I just hit it and it just like down and it just went straight down to like my balls and so I'm sitting there like guys like I'm gonna have to pull down my pants like just show my friends like you have to check it out like I'm sorry I don't want to make you like do this like you, like I'm really worried yeah. so I like dropped my pants on the ski hill in the middle of the train park and my buddy Chris who I mentioned before is like oh man you gotta go to the hospital like <laughs> like it's, it's pretty bad like and then a ski patrol goes by the same time and he's speaking French and he's like trying to be like what are you doing because I'm like ass naked in the middle of the <laughs> train park holding myself oh, God. he skis over and I like I, I show him what's up and he's just like oh <laughs> oh man like we need to get ski patrol down here and I'm like no no I'm good I can, I'm not taking I'm not I'm not getting in a, in a one of those carts like you know you just like say like I'm making it down the hill no matter what like yeah like, I guess so yeah bag. I didn't even so, get one of those after my so ski down yeah, so I ski down with like my pants, I pull my pants, like I ski down like in this biggest snowplow, trying to like get to the bottom. And then I remember going to the hospital and I had to pay like 50 bucks for his private clinic. And basically this guy like felt me up and yeah. was like, yeah, that's just a bunch of water. It'll evaporate over time. Like here's a donut. And I was like, no, can you just like drain them? Like, can we just get this over with? Like it's super uncomfortable. I got to drive like nine hours back to Manitou and I like, and he's just like, no, no, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it couple days go by all of a sudden it's like balls are green red purple like every color you could possibly oh. imagine like a rainbow and i was like that is not water like no. i gotta go back i gotta see somebody like they don't hurt but like this is not this cool. is not okay yeah and uh they look at them like oh no that's what happens to like dead blood 
like it turns colors like dried blood so basically like I thought it was water, but like when I ripped my butt, it was like blood underneath the skin. Yeah. And so when I drained down, it just like it just changed my skin color. So oh. It was dead blood. And then over time, it did just everything went back to normal, and it was fine. But like it really freaked me out. Like, oh, I can imagine. Man, like, <laughs> that would yeah. freak me out too. I had a bad yeah. one, and I had a bad crash in momentum the first year I went to momentum. They had like the small line with the two jumps, and it's slushy, so people stop or speed check, and the bumps between the two jumps can get really bad. And I did a switch, I was doing both ways switch sevens, and I landed, and I went to do a speed check, and I happened to just like, I remember like slightly turning my edges, then all of a sudden I wasn't on the ground. I like went off a speed bump and on like onto the next one, and kneed myself in the chin so bad I bit through half my tongue. Like my tongue was in half. I had to go to the hospital and get it stitched together. I had to eat soup the rest of the trip. It's just a terrible, terrible time that one. You hear all these stories and then you start to like beg the question, like why, why, why did you do that? Yeah. Like exactly. why do you decide to like grind rails on skis and eat crap and hurt yourself? Because one of us is like, oh, like it was a really good time when I did this. It's just like yeah. war story after war story, but like no. they're not funny when they happen. They're funny later. Yeah. Like laughing about your angles is like at the time it was like the worst case you could possibly imagine. Oh, but like yeah. now it's funny. I yeah, was, I well. the funny one that happened at the time momentum used to remember they were short on snow so the jumps were chopped like the lines were cut straight down it's like if you went off the side you could like fall <laughs> a decent amount and I was on a tear I had ruined my tongue I they were testing the big jump no one had hit it yet Ethan Harrison backflips at first try and get sent home from my coach and I've been no wax on my skis. They've salted it and Max Moffat and them had speed checked the transition. So I come in with what I think is good speed, hit the transition. It's like someone's throwing on the brakes. So I got no wax. Come up like 10 feet short. just And it was like a knuckle like this and just bounced right out the end. John Smart was like five feet from me. It looked like the biggest idiot. Three runs later, going over to the medium line, caught an edge, hooked right through the V-netting and fell onto the takeoff of the C-rail. And I was tangled in the fence and it took like people like 15 minutes to get me out of the fence. I just probably looked like the biggest, like, should not have been there, out of control person. <laughs> That's the way it goes. And you got oh, yeah. Bruce over here who like probably does questionably crazier stuff than both of us. Yeah. And... Like maybe sprains his thumb on his ski pole. Yeah, I like, try to be injury prone. I like to I like to send. Yeah. Everybody thinks I send, but I like to send with caution. I like yeah. to send, but like I, I don't like to say I hold back because I don't think I hold back. But for some reason, knock on wood, I've avoided a lot of uh, a lot of injuries. Yeah. I still got yeah. hurt. I've had my fair share of concussions. Well, gym, I've, you go to the gym a lot. I was I've pretty indestructible until like that. that one bad accident because that was not something yeah. you, the, going to the gym could fix. But like. I've done a switch job 12 to my head by an accident. I was fine. <laughs> like, like, you can walk away from a yeah. lot of things. Well, that's the thing is like, that's what you talk about. You're like, I, I send lots, but I do it caught. Like I do it with, like I take precautions. I don't do something like I think like I'm actually going to die. Like yeah. even though we all just thought to ourselves, like Bruce, you can't do a switch job in the junkyard. Like it's, you're like, it's not going to be the prettiest one, but like, I know what I'm capable of. I can yeah. flip over my head twice on this jump. Or like, at least the prettiest one. Right. Yeah. But like, the thing is, I like, People get hurt. Like I said, like my worst injury was doing a 540. It's like, yeah. they get hurt I feel like when stuff. you're doing those sends, you're so focused on like, you know, I could really hurt myself if I mess this up. Yeah, like a dub so 12 to your head. But like the only thing you're thinking about is doing a dub 12, which you learn in like safe start. Yeah. And, but like when you're just like cruising around and you go for like a little screaming statement and you like don't get your feet back and you just like mess up and die and you're like, oh my collarbone. It's like, it sucks that the 
tricks that like, you aren't paying attention to yeah. 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 he kicks in to get mangled I have yeah. two scars on my stomach from a 180 to flat at the at the big jump <laughs> that was like, there's just a video of I've seen me this. like Everybody's testing the jump. Everybody's speed's fine, and I'm following Christian's. I haven't hit the jump yet. Christian killed me too. When I heard, I followed Christian as well. Yeah, I'm following him into the jump, and I'm like, and he's like hit the jump a couple times. I'm following him. That was a hard left. Yeah, he just like literally just like last like ten feet of the jump sits down and like butt like like you know you do a hand drag court five. Lazy boy. Just like the biggest hand drag court five, and I'm like two feet behind him, so I don't have time to do that. So I just do a 180 to flat and like like blow it in my shoes and both my bindings go straight into my chest and then like scar my chest yeah. I have like two scars on my chest for me and I drive the best thing about that video is yeah. you see you, you see Christian like barely make the knuckle you, just, just, <laughs> you, just, you see the bottom of a pair of Armada skis like over his head just doing a 180 high safety and just like fibers yeah. <laughs> right and it was flat. like the nice, one of my favorite videos probably. we went to Momentum or Momentum we went to Whistler for like a month and, like, we only had, like, two nice days out of two weeks since we've been there. So, I was like, I have to ski on here. And I'm, like, super hurt from that one. So, I, like, ski... And my skis are broken. So, I ski myself down to the bottom of the hill, take an hour bus ride back to the athlete center, grab a new pair, another pair of skis, drive all the way back, and, like, first run, and, like, get back. So, two and a half hours later, after all that, I get back to... The the, get back to the thing. I'm, like, hurt, but I'm, like, still good enough to ski. I have, like... My chest is bleeding a little bit, but I'm, like... It's just a couple scars or scratches, like... They ended up scarring. I don't know how. Yeah, but I got a little scratch and scar there. Yeah, too. I, it was like just like I was just bruised. And I was like, I can still do corks, and like I wanted to do like my first like couple doubles. Like I had just learned them. I wanted to put some more miles in on them. And I was, same thing. I literally I was like, okay, I'm not following anybody in this time. I'm just gonna like watch their speed. And I just did another 180 straight to flat. Blew up another pair of skis and just went home. And <laughs> I was like the most unhappy kid for like the next like two days. I just, just pissed. Does not want a knuckle so bad. I blew up both my pairs of skis. I had no skis. I was like incredibly sore after the second one. I could barely walk around. Yeah, it's funny. And I missed the best day on the hill, like, in the entire trip. I've had a lot of bad overshoots, but, like, maybe, like I said, the one bad undershoot. I have not really undershot that many things. Like, I, I tend to overshoot. And, I mean, I find if you land switch when you overshoot, it's usually better. That's why I ski switch more. Yeah. But the one when I was in Australia was, like, a perfect T-set, dub 10, like, progression. Or, like, set up. So there's yeah. no taking it yeah. to nine without, like, landing front heavy. And there's no transition. So I, like, just fell straight to the ground. And, like, right to my butt. And, like, this whole thing was bruised. There's a bomb hole in the ice from where I landed. Pat's like, you just bruised but your heels. Yeah. <laughs> you just bruised your heels. I was like, yeah, no. like, if Bruce had done, like, a 360 on that, like, he would have backslapped that thing so oh, hard yeah. and probably, like, at least knocked the wind out of himself and been, like, moaning at the bottom like i'd say there's no better trick to overshoot on than like a switch seven yeah oh absolutely like you come around as you come around as switch five you and you're like exactly oh god that. no and you just go to <laughs> switch seven, seven. yeah and just squat it out reed mckechran did a huge yeah. one of those there's like two years ago at the outback no one's making the second jump I reed mckechran that. rolls in gaps the whole landing on a switch seven and just disappeared after that and then there was um what matt tipple who did like uh who could get out of his butt, his butt, butt tuck and just <laughs> send, send the jump like three quarters of the weight landing to his back. That was the scariest yeah, thing was, I've ever I seen. I think it was parallel to the second jump when I saw him like backseat and then terrible. the arms were just rolling around and you're like, I don't know if I should yell tuck or what. Like, <laughs> and he just like stuck. <laughs> like, you just knew that it was like the perfect speed to go to his neck. Like, it was just so scary. Yeah, you, you were just so watching scary. it and there's nothing you can do. 
Yeah, or you're involved with it and you know it's going to happen. Like when I had mine, I would just see the ground and it's like, I probably swore as loud as I ever have in my life because I knew it was coming and then you can't get out of it, right? <laughs> Overshooting like, when you know it's happening time. is the scariest thing. I've actually had like multiple nightmares like in my head where I pick up a jump and I just keep, I don't, <laughs> keep I just going. don't come down. The landing just disappears and I'm still going up even though I took like the right <laughs> amount of speed. That's what mine felt like. <laughs> I took the right amount of speed in the jump. I just don't come back down. I'm just like going. I was just about to say my worst dreams are skiing is like they start off real sick where I'm like landing every rail trick I possibly yeah. could have ever imagined and then I go off a jump and it's like someone hit the shift bar on friggin' shred sauce yeah, and I just yeah. keep going up and you're like no, no. all of a sudden you're like higher than the chairlifts and you're like oh my god you're like yes yes right I and had that dream like, too it's such a weird I dream I feel like every skier has probably oh, had yeah. that dream I know exactly you're like looking down and this like your gut <laughs> drops in the middle of the night and you just keep going it's like what? and you're like I, I used to like find like I Maybe would tranny, watching like, shred sauce I would tranny like three jumps I would be like Skip the first jump. Hit the first yeah, take yeah, off. Yeah, you could gap like, to the next yeah. jump. That's right. But I would just keep going past the last jump. <laughs> Anyways, dude, we've wrapped up. That's like over an hour now. So uh, we'll leave you with the last question I've been asking everybody because I know cool. you're busy and I got some stuff to you tonight still. Um, so what are where do you see yourself in five years from now? I've been asking everybody this in the podcast. It's a, kind of a tough question and it's hard to say where you're going to be in five years, but I'm good interested one. to know. Think or one? Yeah, it makes you think. Where do you see yeah, yourself? Yeah, um... I mean, I, I think about it, like, I think maybe as you get older, too, like, yep. you start to like, try to picture, like, what you're going to be doing, and so, like, I'm still really into coaching, like, it's, it's, I'm still passionate about it, I haven't lost that yet, yep. and I I do want to keep doing, like, agenda-free ski for, like, as long as I can, because, yep. I mean, right now in Ontario, it's kind of, like, keeping oh, things going. It's the only I thing. A lot, a lot, a lot of the hills, yeah, like... Like, a lot of the hills are having troubles getting kids together, right? So, like, I know, like, if a gender free ski just goes away, then there's, like, no real Ontario programs, yeah, which yeah. is not very good. So, like, but, like, I also, I also do want to progress my coaching. Like, yeah. I, I do want to um, work my way towards becoming a national team coach yeah. eventually. Yeah. Now, I'm not, like, I don't know if that's, you know, a year from now, three years from now, four years from now. Yeah. Um, but you, you kind of hit that, like, level where... Coaching kids, like I mean, I coach Megan, yeah. and then Megan moves up, and then you go through another kid. Yeah, you get to yeah, go to the national up. team, yeah. and then all of a sudden you're like, I like, I like that's that's amazing that I'm able to push kids onto the next team, but like, eventually I want to go to the next team too. It's yeah, kind you of need like progression. Part of the, the you want to see your right? project yeah. continue through. Yeah, yeah, and, and the, the way you stay passionate about it is, I mean, like when I first started skiing or, like, my first coaching job was, like, eight Saturdays with Evolve Snow Camps, and, like, really, at that point in time, you're kind of more of a babysitter, just making yeah. sure that, like, you don't lose all your kids, and they give you one goal, like, I want to land a 540, and you just accomplish that one trick in the eight Saturdays, hopefully, and then you move on, yeah. and then, so that was literally kind of more being an instructor, not a coach, Yeah. and then once you get to, like, the Ontario-level team, you're still having to know, deal with... Hey, you need to get your hips up more. You got to yeah. manage your speed better. But then you also are working towards getting those athletes to also coach themselves. Like you know, you don't want every athlete on your team to roll around every single lap and be like, yeah. "How was that one? What do I do better?" Like you yeah. want them to start to take initiative and be like, yeah. "That one didn't feel as good as the last one because so and so." What do you think? And you're like, "No, I agree." Like you, you start to. But as you get further along in your ski career, you need Absolutely. to be able to coach yourself more, right? Yeah. And so at a certain point in time, I'm get you know. I've got to a certain point now where I still enjoy doing that, yeah. but I also really like the technical side of it. I really like being at the top of Aspen 
and being like, okay, so we're tricky going to do on the top rail, 450 on, 450 off to switch 270 on, and being like, ooh, I think you need to up that second rail because, like, yeah. your first rail is, like, the best in the group, but, like, yeah. your, your second second rail is, like, way behind. You'd be better to go to 450 on back to forward than you can do the other way for You know what I mean? And yeah, that, like, yeah. the strategy behind it, Absolutely. I kind of want to get away from talking about getting your hips up and start yeah. to be like, yeah. hey, the athlete knows when they've done it wrong. They want, they want help on how to strategically and so yeah i'm i'm working i'm still taking courses and stuff um and yeah exactly so that's that's sort of where where i'm going and i've really gotten into crossfit as you guys probably will see in my instagram channel it's more like weightlifting now so like that's kind of where i've as my ski career career's kind of dropped i'm still a competitive person yeah and i'm like i want to still be an athlete in something yeah so now i found a new passion in like weightlifting and gymnastics and all this other stuff so yes. crossfit allows me to like still feel like i'm training for something yeah. i don't i'm not trying to go to the crossfit games but like i like going to a workout trying to like be everyone in my class doing the workout That's or like it. hey same maybe eventually i will try a crossfit competition but like it, the same as you doing mma it just switches it up right like, yeah exactly i don't so, like i think you're smarter you chose a safer sport than me i just keeps I'm getting hurt <laughs> i'm now yeah, racing yeah. motocross <laughs> Uh, I mean, a lot of people get hurt in CrossFit. It's just about doing stuff you're supposed to be doing. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, if I put if I put 300 pounds on a bar and go for a overhead squat and get crushed, that's my fault. Yeah, yeah same as true. like any other sport. So, yeah. Yeah. so, so is agenda something you'd think about? Um, I would wouldn't say handing off, but like something you'd think about, um, like delegating to somebody else. Like as you move on to like coaching a higher level, maybe down the line, is it something yeah, that if you and, found the right coach, you would continue with the program? Like. And just be the owner and like run it. Yeah, if I if I if I was um, if I was ever given the opportunity to like move up in my ski, ski career, yeah, I I would, would still want to be a part of Agenda Free Ski. Yeah. Like I I think it'd be really cool to still be able to work with whoever the head coach would be of the new new high coach, performance yeah. team to be able to be like, hey, this really worked well for me. How are you guys making out? And if they're like, I'm struggling to get this athlete to do that. I can still help Ontario athletes move yeah. up to the team, right? Yep. Opposed to just being like, hey, let's just sell the business, give to somebody else, and then I have no, like, yeah. it's kind of like my baby, right? Like, yeah, I want to yeah, keep exactly. it. Like, the only way they would, like, stop me from still doing it is that, like, all of a sudden I decided to move. Like, let's just say that, like, me and Sean decide, hey, we're going to England. Like, yep. we're going to live in England. Like, I can't really run a gender-free ski. Like, yeah, that's no. fair. Like, that's not what we've been talking. Yeah, but, like, as of right now, like, if I would still want to be a part of a gender-free ski, no matter what, and I mean, for the foreseeable future, I will be running this thing as we go on. Yeah. Still, the head coach of that, so I really enjoy it. That's good. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's where we're at. That's awesome. Well, I think that's a great spot to wrap up this podcast. I'm-